Welcome to Showboat, a series of podcasts from the battleship North Carolina in Wilmington. I'm your host, Mary Ames Booker, ship's curator. Together we'll discover the stories of an extraordinary ship that steamed into history, what makes her tick and keeps her going, and her vital contributions today. Join us as we share her adventures and celebrate the thousands of men who served on the most highly decorated American battleship of World War II. In our last podcast, we introduced the showboat's first band, which began serving when the battleship was commissioned in April 1941. Two and a half years later, the showboat welcomed a new group of musicians, band number 35. The 20-piece band was formed in April 1943 at the School of Music and left in late May for California, where they waited until July 3rd to go to sea. While in California, the band rehearsed and played for local venues. They soon reported aboard the transport and played daily dance concerts for about two weeks. 47-year-old chief musician Julius James Prescop was the bandmaster. Prescop enlisted in the Navy in 1924 and had served on the battleship Tennessee, which was bombed at Pearl Harbor. Meanwhile, the showboat had been steaming in and out of Numea, New Caledonia, since May. On July 25th, the showboat returned to Anchorage after fueling destroyers, and band number 35 reported aboard. Musicians were assigned to the hull division on the showboat with duty and battle stations in damage control. They were phone talkers and patrolmen in the repair units. Training began early. Musician Don Wickham recalled, One of the first things we did when we got aboard ship was to train for our battle stations in damage control. We took classes. We went to fire school when we were in Pearl Harbor and in Majero. I had taken college courses that were a lot easier. Lloyd Glick, a 21-year-old trumpet player from California, describes his routine in damage control. The battle stations were in damage control. Um, that's why we, we had red hats. Our, our sailor hats, normally white, were dyed red, because red, red was the uh, damage control. And uh, we stood our watches in damage control, and we had to learn uh, uh, in order to get promoted, uh, part, of, part of the examination would be your knowledge of the internal structure of the ship, like uh, which pipes were steam, which were fuel, which were this and that, and how the electrical system was put together. Uh, in terms of, of on a need-to-know basis, what you needed to know in case something happened. Uh, we learned how to use the big shoring timbers to shore up uh, damage um, uh, if the ship was penetrated. So we had a lot of that to learn, and uh, we stood damage control watches. Uh, sometimes I would be standing, I would stand a watch in a particular compartment with uh, sound-powered telephones. It was all very boring because you didn't do much but just sit on sit on a bucket, an upended bucket, and read a book or something with this phone set on your head. Battle stations were still in damage control, but 
each of us uh, in the band, we were spread out uh, along with the other damage control people into various, each of the compartments in the, in the ship had a damage control person. My particular station for the first year was uh, in the officer's country um, on the second deck just, uh, just aft of the cofferdam and alongside the barbette for number one turret. Uh, there were two of us in this area and uh, we didn't have a lot to do except to when we first reported to the station uh, was when, and they did what they call set, uh, set condition x-ray or zebra in, in damage control. We would close the watertight doors uh, fore and aft and then close the, the ventilators um, in this particular area where I was. Uh, there were lots of uh, wheels. Um, uh, one of them, I always remember, was, was a big round wheel. It seemed to me like it was, was 10 feet wide. Up on the overhead, uh, I was probably the, the shortest fellow on the ship. I was probably 5'2 or 5'3. And I couldn't reach that wheel up there, so I had to climb up on top of, of some of the shoring timbers one foot on the shoring timber and the other on the other side of the passage and grabbed this big wheel and turned it and it seemed like it took uh, hundreds of turns before it was finally closed. I'll always remember that wheel because I think that's the most exercise I got on the ship. And of course with Dan, when they had general quarters every morning and every evening, uh, twice a day, I was down there fighting that big wheel up on the ceiling. Finally after a year or so of that, I got smarter to at least wised up enough to ask for a change of, of uh, assignment. So they put me in the chief's quarters, which was real good, especially in the mornings, because the, the chiefs had their own galley, they had their own cooks, and uh, the, the cooks would, would early, early on in the morning, they'd be getting uh, the food prepared for the chief's breakfast. And of course they had morning general quarters, uh, the cooks left, to go to their battle stations. I came in as my battle station, and here was this galley full of food. So I had a chance to sneak his uh, food from the from their kitchen, and, and they ate better than we did. You, you gotta be sure. And what about the band? What were your routines? When the ship, uh, when the ship was not uh, in the forward areas, we would practice, the band would practice in um, one of the mess halls and uh, we'd practice every morning with the, uh, with the, the swing band. And um, that was just about our routine, was practice in the morning and uh, study our, um, our uh, battle, battle station uh, instructions and whatnot in the afternoons. Um, the other, when the, when the ship was uh, in a rear area, like for instance when we go into Ulithi or uh, any one of the rear areas, the band would uh, perform on the fantail at, at night, just before the movies, after, after chow and, be, and before it got dark enough to show the movies, it was generally in an hour and a half or two uh, we would set up the, the swing band and we would play uh, music uh, 
to entertain the crew until the show started. What other things did you play for? Occasionally, uh, on rare occasions, if there was a, a visitor, a flag visitor to the ship, uh, the band would stand uh, uh, adjacent to the side boys and play formal military music. Also, uh, in the mornings, uh, uh, we would play colors, uh, Star Spangled Banner, uh, when they would raise the flag on the stern. We would play um, when they had a burial at sea. Um, we would play uh, the Navy hymn uh, just before the, uh, the bugle played taps. We would put together a small group from from the band, uh, maybe uh, eight players, uh, and we would play for church service. And there, there we were just playing uh, religious hymns out of out of a hymnal and transposing the parts uh, for our little group. Um, on special occasions like Christmas, uh, we would put together a small group and we'd go through, through the ship from the various compartments playing Christmas music. We had small groups uh, from the band, uh, a little, what we call combos of five or six players, uh, who would go up to the officer's uh, wardroom and play uh, music for them during their dinner. Tell us about playing during refueling. When we were in the forward areas, or even uh, whenever we were actually at sea, they would bring destroyers alongside our ship for um, purposes of delivering things to the ship, like uh, mail and, uh, uh, and, refueling, and refueling the destroyer, because uh, they the destroyers did not have the fuel capacity to, uh, to operate for a, a lengthy period. We were sometimes six months without going back to a, a shore facility. So the tankers would come alongside our ship and fill us up. And then a matter of days later, the destroyers would come alongside and get their fuel tanks topped off. So while this fueling operation was going on, the band, uh, the jazz band or dance band, would set up on the boat deck and play. Let's talk about the band. There were 20 members. What instruments did they play? Uh, most all of the bands consisted of um, five saxophone or clarinet reed players, three trombones, four trumpets, piano, drums, string bass, and of course the string bass alternated on tuba from the military portion. Then we had a couple of other fellows who were not in the swing band, but were in what we call the, the military band. So this group of people uh, could either be a military band or a uh, swing band. What kind of music did you play? Of course, um, in 1943, uh, and 44 and 45, that was uh, the tail end of the so-called big band era of the Artie Shaws, the uh, Benny Goodmans, uh, Harry James. Um, and when you leave the School of Music as, as a band, they, they send you away 
with uh, a whole library of, of numbers in addition to the music uh, from those bands, like the Benny Goodman Band, they, they had arrangers at the School of Music who, who wrote swing band numbers and arrangements of existing tunes. They were sitting back there at the school cranking out these arrangements one after another. And uh, those they would, uh, they would copy and send out to the various bands in the fleet. So when, they, when mail would come, uh, sometimes it would be a whole ream of, of new music for the band sent from the school in Washington. So we were, we were constantly supplied with um, uh, good, good basic dance music. But it was all, all the, uh, the tunes that, that we hear today from the so-called swing era. All of those were in our library activity. At its peak in 1944, the Navy had 285 bands, consisting of 7,000 musicians. They were stationed on carriers, cruisers, large auxiliary ships, and battleships as well as at shore activities and advanced bases. Let's fast forward to today. There are nine fleet bands. Seven of them are in the United States, including the Pacific Fleet Band at Pearl Harbor. Two bands are based outside the continental United States, the Seventh Fleet Band in Japan and the Naval Forces Europe Band in Italy. I asked Commander Mark Corbliss, commanding officer of the Naval School of Music, about bands playing on board ships today. In the Seventh Fleet, it's probably the last of the older model in that the Blue Ridge is the Seventh Fleet flagship. And the band regularly, as just a matter of course, travels on that ship, supporting the mission of the Seventh Fleet. In Pacific Fleet, they have Pacific Partnership and that can be a one or two platform gig. So that means there could be one or two bands and they completely just tour the entire Pacific Ocean with, uh, in, a, in a humanitarian mission. So uh, there's, there's PR, uh, you know, it's basically public affairs mission with medical and dental. And, and they go all around the world and they do that. And Continuing Promise does that from Norfolk and that is a deploy, you know, that is a forward deployed mission. They are out for four or five months. They go all the way down the coast of South America, and they are also in support of Continuing Promise, which is a humanitarian mission. In Europe, the Naples Band or the Navier Band um, tours uh, all of Europe, but it also goes down into Africa very often. And it's not so much a ship thing because not so much water but it is forward deployed. They will take a flight down there. They will stay down there for four or five weeks at a time. They will do uh, outreach for the United States Navy in Africa. And uh, then they'll come home and another band will go right back down, like they rotate in and out. Today I'm talking with the U.S. Navy Pacific Fleet Band in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. Welcome to the Showboat Podcast. Please introduce yourselves. I'm Ensign Tony Garcia. I'm the Assistant Fleet Bandmaster here at the Pacific Fleet Band in Pearl Harbor. Hello, uh, I'm Elizabeth Zarkoff, Jordan Frazier, and I'm a flute player here at Pacific Fleet Band. 
I've been here for about two and a half years now. And I just got here in February. I'm new. This is my first tour in all. Do you rotate among the fleet bands? Uh, we do. So when it's time to rotate, usually we do between two and four year tours with three being the average. Um, and about a year before we're supposed to rotate, we essentially put in a request and we request our top three bands. If uh, that can work out, then they'll send us there. But otherwise, it's very much needs of the Navy. We're very specifically built because everyone plays different instruments and each band has to be stacked a certain way so that it has the proper amount of flute, clarinets, drummers, rhythm section players, et cetera. And so that makes it quite a puzzle whenever we're uh, divvying up the different musicians with their specialties between each of the bands. Please describe the Pacific Fleet Band for us. Currently we have 43 members. Um, we're we have three officers. I'm the replacement for our Lieutenant Junior Grade who's going to be transferring to the Navy Band. So we're billeted for two officers, and then currently we have 41 enlisted sailors on top of that. We have about 10 different ensembles, the large ones being like the parade band that you'd see on parades, marching, etc., a wind ensemble, and a uh, ceremonial band. And then we have smaller groups like our brass quintet, woodwind quintet, woodwind quartet, and then we have uh, some commercial groups, such as like a jazz combo. We have a popular music group that most people just refer to as a rock band. And uh, a brass band, sort of built after the New Orleans-style brass band, with a drummer, a sousaphone, and horns playing uh, commercial music. Um, we also can support with solo vocals, solo piano, solo guitar, things like that. When, when this band here at Pac Fleet is running and gunning, they cover so much ground, all the way Philippines, uh, all the way down to like um, Singapore, Cambodia, maybe not Cambodia, Malaysia, like down to that area. When musicians are on deployment, are there others who stay behind? Usually, there would be a contingent of sailors from the band here that would deploy on various ships and go and perform live for uh, these nations. And we would include partner musicians from, say, the Philippines or Japan uh, or Australia whenever we go out and do this specific partnership exercise. I'm a flute player, uh, so there wasn't a huge need for me to go out on the ship. Um, and I was needed here, and uh, it was definitely quiet here in the building um, for a long time while they were gone. And once they came back, it was like, you know, building was alive again. But yes, it, it was pretty busy, especially since we were cut so short. But at the same time, it was, it was an adventure. It was fun. What kinds of music do you play? With the, the 10 or so different ensembles that we can support, we can cover just about anything from country and reggae to, of course, military marches to straight-ahead jazz to chamber, like classical chamber music. We can cover all of that. We, we like to, to remind people that we're their Navy band, so we're there to entertain them, um, whether that's a military audience that we're playing marches for, for a change of command or a retirement ceremony, or we're out playing Hawaiian tunes for the people here in, in, in Honolulu and Oahu that we live amongst, to the Pacific Partnership Support, where we learn tunes from the nations that we're going to visit. Um, we've got tunes going out in Papua New Guinea that's in their local tongue. Uh, we have two Vietnamese tunes that were arranged for our brass band, so we're playing popular Vietnamese tunes uh, for the brass band. We... We like to play the music that connects with our audience or whatever the situation is. So we're essentially prepared to play whatever 
We need to whenever people want to hear. We're here to support them and to reach out to them and to entertain them and uh, honor them. And so we try to tailor our performances and our preparation to the audiences that we're going to perform for. I also, I am also a piccolo player. Um, that's just one of our, one of the requirements. As a flute player, you all have to play piccolo. I love playing Stars and Stars forever. No matter how many times I have to play it, it will always be one of my favorite marches of all time. Uh, and it will pretty much be heard at every single ceremonial performance we play, which is very, very nice for me. That's the iconic tune, honestly. People, when people see us in a large format, certainly they expect to hear a couple things. They expect to hear probably the national anthem, and they expect to hear Stars and Stripes Forever. And that is an iconic military band march that people just, they associate with us. It's certainly the one that gets people up on their feet clapping. We usually program it near the end of the concert because everyone knows it, and it connects with them. So who do you perform for and with? We perform all the time with uh, high-ranking officials. We do um, receptions and ceremonies and in-home performances by our protocol groups, our combos, our chamber groups um, for high-ranking both government and military officials uh, and civilian officials. And we also perform with musicians from partner nations, like side-by-side performances with uh the JMSDF, which is the Japanese Maritime Self-Defense Force Band. Here in Hawaii, we're working on um, collaborating with local artists, some pop stars, some uh, chamber music groups, things like that, that have some notability here in Hawaii. Uh, We're working on virtual projects with them. I also read that the band does educational outreach. Yes, we frequently work with, or we did uh, prior to COVID, hopefully we'll be getting back to those engagements soon. Um, But we did uh, work with the University of Hawaii and uh, all different kinds of schools here, elementary, middle, high. um, And uh, we just loved getting out and working with the kids and working with the students at the university. Um, playing side by side, even in uh, performances, it was always a treat to be able to do that. And so, hopefully, um, soon, very soon, we'll be able to uh, start doing that again. So, tell us, how did the COVID nineteen pandemic affect the Pacific Fleet Band? It was pretty hard uh, on all of us. Early on in twenty twenty, all of the products were completely virtual, with musicians supporting separate parts at home, and they would send their parts to the PAO team because that was the only thing that we could do from home. So rehearsals weren't happening at all in the building, at least for me, until September of 2020. And it was even then still limited. Videos were being put together and put on Facebook, and that was all we could accomplish while working from home, unless your collateral work needed to be done at work. And, yeah, there was not a whole lot we could do in that situation here at work together. So, yeah, it was hard. A big mission that we have each year for the PAC Fleet Band is Pacific Partnership. And we've got still tasks from the public affairs team and the people that we answer to to support Pacific Partnership. And so that puts a burden of learning to do audio editing, video editing, and finding a way to work through COVID and, and all the restrictions that, it, that comes with it to provide a product that also still supports those nations, that still supports the objectives that are given to us by our commanders. We've had to get pretty creative <laughs> with 
working with mask mandates and working with shooting outside to keep our sailors safe as we try to support these missions. But I think that we've got great products that are going to support very, very well Pacific Partnership 2021, despite the COVID restrictions. Last year, we did get to do a video with Little Girl Australian Navy Band, and that was very cool. We were actually supposed to go and play with them in person in April 2020, and obviously COVID happened, so we weren't able to see that, but we were still able to record our parts, and the PAO team worked their magic as usual, and they made a video of all of us playing together virtually, which was very cool. That was probably one of my favorite experiences. What has been a favorite venue to play? One of my favorite venues has been, uh, well, will be, hopefully. Um, I'm always jealous when people get to go and uh, perform on the USS Arizona Memorial. I think it's just a powerful venue to be. um, And hopefully this year I'll be able to perform there for the anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor with the Wooden Quintet this year. Um, it's just, uh, from what I've heard, it's just an incredible experience that's like no other. What else would you like our listeners to know? I, I'm just thrilled to death, actually, that you reached out to us. Um, being that the North Carolina has the Pearl Harbor connections, we always enjoy making connections with those who've been here to share this uh, experience of being in Pearl Harbor and the experience of playing music in the military, in the Navy, um, and in service to the country. So anytime that we get a chance to engage with people who have that in common with us, we really enjoy that. So we just appreciate you reaching out to us. And we're looking forward to getting to the point where um, we can get out and play for people again. Um, if I was going to say anything else, I'd just shamelessly plug, like our Facebook page. Instagram is going to be up and going soon. So check us out. There's going to be new stuff coming out. Jordan is our is our Facebook master, so she's going to be putting out a lot of good stuff. And in particularly with this specific partnership stuff that's coming out, there's going to be a lot of good material and uh, nice engagement with our partners uh, across, the, across the pond. So we just... We're grateful for the opportunity, and we're looking forward to uh, getting back out there and serving the people that uh, that we live along and that we get to uh, engage with on a daily basis. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm Mary Ames Booker, host and producer of the podcast. Showboat is a series of podcasts about the battleship North Carolina in Wilmington, North Carolina. Visit us online at www.battleshipnc.com. The showboat welcomes visitors daily. In 2020, the Battleship North Carolina received an NC CARES Humanities Relief Grant from the North Carolina Humanities Council, www.nchumanities.org. Funding for NC CARES has been provided by the National Endowment for the Humanities as part of the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act Economic Stabilization Plan.